y'all. Rochelle here. And Lynn. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast platform. Or share us on social media so more folks out there can join the Idgits and Aspets family. And don't forget to subscribe as well so you automatically have our newest episodes. So today we're talking about season six, episode 20, called The Man Who Would Be King. We start out with Cass sitting on a park bench all alone in the snow. Cass narrates, you know, I've been here for a very long time and I remember many things. I remember being at a shoreline, watching a little gray fish heave itself up up on the beach and an older brother saying, don't step on that fish, Castiel, big plans for that fish. I remember the the Tower of Babel. Did I say that right? Babel? Mm -hmm. Okay, all 37 feet of it, which I suppose was impressive at the time. And when it fell, they howled, divine wrath. But come on, dried dung can only be stacked so high. (laughs) Well, yes. Also, 37 feet is pretty impressive for people that don't have any sort of equipment. (laughs) That is true. (sighs) I remember Cain and Abel, David and Goliath, Sodom and Gomorrah. And of course, I remember the most remarkable event, Remarkable because it never came to pass. It was averted by two boys, an old drunk and a fallen angel. The grand story. And we ripped up the ending and the rules. And destiny, leaving nothing but freedom and choice. Which is all well and good, except, well, what if I made the wrong choice? How am I supposed to know? I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me tell you my story. Castiel then looks directly at the camera and says, let me tell you everything. And we get our opening title sequence. Ooh, that gave me chills. I don't know why. <laughs> it was Castiel looking directly at me in my mind. <laughs> I, I like this episode, but it's definitely one that, like, I don't know. It's it's kind of a weird one, you know? Like, it's not a normal, like, episode of Supernatural. It's very, like, let me just pause this whole, like, regularly scheduled you know, program and give you some backstory here. Like it's kind of an odd one, but it's still a good one. It's a good one. And it's also, it was a little ridiculous trying to do notes on it. So (laughs) because, because Castiel is narrating at the same time while like talking in flashbacks and they travel in time and it's just all over the place, but (laughs) I tried my best. (laughs) I'm sure it'll be just fine. Okay. I'm sure it'll be a nightmare, but that's (laughs) Okay, so we cut to Dean driving at night. He's all alone. Suddenly, Cass is there in the passenger seat. Castiel says, hello, Dean. Dean is startled, and Cass says, are you all right? Dean says, yeah, I'm fine. How are you? Cass says, just wanted to check in. Dean says, so any word on Satan Jr. being alive? Cass says, I'm looking. Believe me, I just don't understand how Crowley could have tricked me. Dean says, well, he's a tricky son of a bitch. That's how. Doesn't matter. But if he is up and kicking... Then what, then what, (laughs) then what does matter is finding him, ripping his head off and shoving it up his ass. Cass says, what about you? Have you found anything? Dean says, no, nothing yet. Cass says, where's Sam? Dean says, he's keeping busy. He's tracking a gin in Omaha as we speak. In fact, I'm heading out there right now to meet up with him. Cass says, well, I'd come if I could. Dean says, yeah, no, I get it. No worries. But Cass, you'll call, right? If you get into real trouble? But Cass just whooshes away. So we cut to Crowley's laboratory. (laughs) Crowley is exploring Eve's corpse. Her brain is exposed. He also has a vampire shackled nearby. Crowley says, howdy, partner. Cass says, what have you found? Crowley says, I found a lot of things. For example, Eve's brain, dead as a tinned kipper. And yet, he scoops his hand inside Eve and pulls out a bunch of eggs and says, for some reason, she keeps laying eggs. Yuck. I didn't think she laid eggs. I mean, she just touches people and turns them into whatever she wants. Like, what the heck is up with the eggs? Is she a frog? You know? <laughs> I don't know, but she's full of, like, these gross-ass fish eggs. And it's I just, nasty. Ugh. It's not like she's actually, like, laying eggs at any point. Like, why are there eggs in her? <laughs> Maybe why? she is laying eggs, and they just don't show that because it would have been too graphic. <laughs> Maybe every now and then she just takes a little squat and eggs come out. <laughs> but you would think that it would like be mentioned at least, like if she's like laying eggs, you know, like not <laughs> I don't know, like this is the first we've heard of any Maybe she vomits them up and into people's ears. Like maybe that's how the eggs are laid out her ew. mouth. Yeah, all of it's ew. I don't but maybe like any that's of it. maybe that's what's going on. 
She's just like, and then. (laughs) (laughs) But she very clearly wasn't into people's ears. She was talking to them. Yeah, you're right. And just touching their faces. I don't know. Yeah. Like. Maybe she can do a lot of things. And I want to know what's up with the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> I need these answers because it's never talked about again. Nope, never again. Like, this is the first and last time we hear anything about it. It's like, what a freaking plot hole, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you can't do this to us. <laughs> maybe there was like a deleted something that they planned on doing that like maybe not necessarily like a deleted scene, but like something like they, they had planned originally and they just didn't take the egg part out, you know, yeah. like they deleted the whole storyline of what was going to happen and they just didn't delete that part. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't know. I don't like it. Um, I'm grossed out. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Crowley says, watch this. And he takes a poker and sticks it in Eve's brain. The nearby vampire feels it in his own head. Crowley says, Chocula here feels every tickle. Cass says, what's that good for? Crowley says, apart from the obvious erotic value, you got me. (laughs) Obvious, yeah, okay. (laughs) Cass says, you said Eve could open the door to purgatory. Crowley says, correct, I did, and I'm confident that she could have if she was still alive. Single best chance to get over the rainbow, and the Winchesters killed her. Castiel says, it was unavoidable. Crowley says, you screwed up, Cass. You let the hounds mangle the pheasant, and now I'm up to my elbows in it. Cass says, what's your point? Crowley says, the point is you're distracted, and that makes me nervous. Cass says, I am holding up my end. Crowley says, ah, yes, but is that all you're holding? See, (laughs) the stench of that Impala is all over your overcoat, Angel. Your overcoat. I said that weird. Your (laughs) overcoat. I said that kind of like I was Canadian almost. That sounded like, oh, what's it? Is the, the chef? I think from the Muppets. (laughs) Is that what I sound like when I podcast? No, that word that you said sounded kind of like that because that's how he kind of like, you know, that's how he talks. Okay. You don't sound like that all the time. Just that word sounded like that. Okay. It's like if I sound like that all the time, then I'm surprised we have any listeners at all. No, you don't. Okay, thank you. Just that word. I'm going to try it again. (laughs) Crowley says, the stench of that Impala is all over your overcoat, Angel. (laughs) I (laughs) I thought we'd agreed. No more nights out with the boys. Cass says, I spoke with Dean. I needed to know what they know. Crowley says, about what? About me, maybe? Because I happen to have it on good authority that your two little pets are currently trying to to hunt me down. Forgive me, but I think you might have a little conflict of interest here. Then Crowley shoves the poker into Eve's brain again, making the vampire seize. Cass narrates again. He says, Crowley had a point, of course. My interest was conflicted. I still considered myself the Winchester's guardian. After all, they taught me how to stand up. We flash back to the episode Swan Song. Cass says, hey, Asbutt, and throws a bottle of holy oil at Michael. I love the Asbutt. I love the Asbutt, too. Michael screams and disappears. Cass narrates what to stand for and what generally happens to you when you do. We see Lucifer snap his fingers and Cass explodes. Cass narrates, uh, I was over. And then the most extraordinary thing happened. I was put back. And we had won. We stopped Armageddon, but at a terrible cost. Then we flash back to the very end of Swan Song, outside of Lisa Braden's house. Sam stands under a flicking streetlight, watching Lisa and Dean through a window. Cass is there, watching Sam. Cass narrates, and so I knew what I had to do next. Once again, I went to Harrow Hell to free Sam from Lucifer's cage. It was nearly impossible, but I was so full of confidence, of mission. I see now that that was arrogance, hubris. But of course, because of course, I hadn't truly raised Sam, not all of him. Sometimes we're lucky enough to be given a warning. We flash back to in front of Lisa's house. Sam turns and walks away, right past Cass. Cass narrates, this should have been mine. We cut back to uh, to Crowley's laboratory. I'm going to say it like that this whole episode. Please do. Okay. <laughs> it reminds me of, oh, what is it? That, that, um... 
Dexter's laboratory? Yes, thank you. <laughs> I know, <laughs> like, it reminds me of that too. Every time I see that word, I say laboratory. <laughs> laboratory. <laughs> I love it. Crowley says, please, I'm begging you, Castiel. Just kill the Winchesters. Cass says, no. Crowley says, fine, then I'll do it myself. Cass says, if you kill them, I'll just bring them back again. Crowley says, no, you won't. Not where I'll put them. Trust me. Cass says, I said no. Don't worry about them. Crowley says, don't worry about what? Like Lucifer didn't worry? Or Michael? Or Lilith? Or Alistair? Or Azazel didn't worry? I mean, Am I the <laughs> that is completely fair. <laughs> Am I the only game piece on the board who doesn't underestimate those denim-wrapped nightmares? <laughs> Cass says, just find purgatory. If you don't, we will both die again and again until the end of time. The Winchesters won't get to you. Crowley says, let them get to me. I'll tear their freaking hearts out. <laughs> He's so angsty. <laughs> he is. I love it. So we cut to inside Bobby's house. They have a demon named Red trapped in a devil's trap and strapped to a chair. Bobby says, I got to tell you, Red, for a filthy lower than snake pit hellspawn, you seem to have turned yourself into a damn fine hunter. I don't know whether to kill you or kiss you. <laughs> Red says, oh, please kill me. Bobby says, that was you that dug out that nest of vamps back in Swan Valley, wasn't it? Sam says, that was nice work. Red says, eight of them in one go, roped and tied. Bobby says, and then you brought them to Crowley, right? Red says, read the papers, redneck. The king is dead. Bobby throws holy water lube onto Red, who <laughs> cries out in pain. It's never just going to be holy water. It's always going to be holy water lube. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It is. <laughs> From now on, holy water lube. <laughs> uh, okay. Bobby says, Crowley's alive. You prove it just by being... You, uh, that's not right. You prove it just by being, you poor dumb jackass. Crowley's alive. His nets are still out, except now he's using you schmucks to hunt his monsters. Red says, up yours. Bobby <laughs> turns to Sam, who gives him Ruby's knife. Dean enters and nods to Sam, so Sam follows him into the kitchen. Bobby says, Red, where's Crowley? No, nothing? Oh, okay then. Here, hang on to this for a bit. And Bobby stabs Red in the leg with the demon-killing knife. Red screams. That would be awful. It would be horrible. Sam says, so what'd you tell him? Dean says, nothing, just relax. Bobby says, what's the hubbub? Dean says, I saw Cass. He popped in on me about two hours back. Bobby says, what'd you tell him? Dean says, nothing, all right. I told him we were on some crap monster hunt. He doesn't know what we're getting. He doesn't know that we're getting close to Crowley. You know, he's our friend and we're lying to him through our teeth. Sam says, Dean. Dean says, so he burned the wrong bones. So Crowley tricked him. Bobby says, he's an angel. Dean says, he's the Belki Bartokamus of heaven. He can make a mistake. Do you know who that is? Belki Bartokamus? No. Uh -uh. It's from this really old, like, sitcom called Perfect Strangers. And he's just, like, this foreign cousin of the main character who is a little kooky. Yeah, I don't remember. I, not, I haven't heard of any of it. So. Okay, okay, anyway. <laughs> okay, Bobby says, nobody's saying nothing yet. Dean says, you think that Cass is in with Crowley? Crowley? Bobby says, look, I'm just saying I don't know. Now, look, I hate myself for even thinking it, but I don't know. We see that Cass is actually standing behind them, invisible. Sam says, look, Dean, he's our friend too, okay? And I'd die for him. I would. But look, I'm praying we're wrong here. Bobby says, but if we ain't, if there's a snowball of a snowball's chance here, that means we're dealing with a Superman who's gone dark side, which means we've got to be cautious, we've got to be smart, and maybe stock up on some kryptonite. Dean says to Sam, this makes you Lois Lane. Bobby says, look, one problem at a time here. we got to find Crowley now before the damn fool cracks open purgatory. Castiel narrates, so they already suspected. Bobby says, where's Crowley? Red says, up yours. Bobby twists the knife and Red screams again. Cass narrates, and the worst part was Dean, trying so hard to be loyal with every instinct telling him otherwise. Red says, I don't know where Crowley is. Bobby says, are you sure about that? Because we can twist again all the way to next summer. Bobby twists the knife again. Red says, oh God, I never even met him. I don't deal with Crowley direct. Bobby says, well, who do you deal with? Red says, the dispatcher, a demon named Ellsworth. Castiel narrates, if there was a demon counterpart to Bobby Singer, Ellsworth would be it. <laughs> so we cut to Ellsworth's house. He to Ellsworth's house. <laughs> He's dressed like Bobby. It's amazing. <laughs> like I I don't remember any of Ellsworth, but like I find him hilarious. <laughs> it's literally Bobby. They made He's him Bobby. look exactly yeah. like Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> even got like the trucker's hat on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Ellsworth sits at a desk um, that has phones and blood bowls all over it. Ellsworth says into a blood bowl, no, listen to me. No, I don't care. I want you to get down to New Mexico and bag me that Wendigo. Hang on. Into another blood bowl. He says, what? No more vampires because the boss says we're done with them. Then he picks up a phone and says, FBI, Thomas speaking. Absolutely, I sent them. Thank you for calling to check. You too. Mm-hmm. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Two demons drag in a tied-up body and go to leave. Ellsworth says, hey, hey, no, not in here, you freaking yeti. Yeti? Yeti. <laughs> what I meant to say. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Are they a yeti with a lightsaber? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it kind of looks like Jedi. I mean, only two letters are different than before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you friggin' Yeti. <laughs> Out back. Cass narrates these demons would lead the Winchesters to Crowley, and Crowley would t- tear their hearts out. Castiel appears at Ellsworth's house and kills the two demons right in front of Ellsworth. Um, and he did it in a very badass way. He like I lifted love. them both up by their heads and smashed their heads and zapped them. It was great. I know. It was very bamf. I love it. <laughs> Ellsworth says, Oh, hell. Ellsworth attempts to smoke out, but Castiel pushes the smoke back in and kills him too. Castiel narrates, I had no choice. I did it to protect the boys or to protect myself. I don't know anymore. So we cut to Ellsworth's house sometime later. Sam, Dean, and Bobby are there. Sam says, hey, clear from the back. Dean says, demons get tipped and bugged out. Sam says, maybe they run from us now. I mean, that would be a nice thought, right? (laughs) Bobby says, yeah, if that's what happened. Sam says, yeah, and we see Cass is watching them, still invisible. Cass narrates, hiding, lying, sleeping away evidence, and my motives used to be so pure. After supposedly saving Sam, I finally returned to heaven. So we cut to a garden in heaven. There's a man there flying a kite. Cass narrates, of course there isn't one heaven. Each soul generates its own paradise. I favored the eternal Tuesday afternoon of an autistic man who drowned in a bathtub in 1953. What an awful, like... (laughs) like what yeah like why do you have to include that he like drowned in a bathtub you know i know that's horrible like jeez okay so rachel the angel and a half dozen other angels are there rachel says you're alive Cass says yes rachel says Cass, we saw lucifer destroy you Cass says well i came back rachel says but lucifer michael Cass says they're gone Rachel says, it was God, wasn't it? Cass says, no, it was the Winchesters. They brought down the apocalypse. Rachel says, but you beat the archangels, Castiel. God brought you back. He chose you, Cass, to lead us. Cass says, no, no one leads us anymore. We're all free to make our own choices and to choose our own fates. Rachel says, what does God want? Cass says, God wants you to have freedom. Rachel says, but what does he want us to do with it? Cass narrates, if I knew then what I know now, I might have said, it's simple. Freedom is a length of rope. God wants you to hang yourself with it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So we cut to Ken Lay's heaven. Uh, Ken Lay, I had to look this up because I didn't know, but he was the CEO of Enron and that whole Enron scandal, which I don't know anything about, except that it was a big scandal. I don't even know okay. what Enron is. <laughs> yeah, it's like a company. I don't really know anything else about it, except that there was this huge scandal and I think yeah I don't know yeah I didn't look into it beyond that I was just like oh okay okay (laughs) Okay, yeah (laughs) all right so Cass narrates those first weeks back in heaven were surprisingly difficult explaining freedom to angels is a bit like teaching poetry to fish (laughs) then there was Raphael Cass approaches Raphael Raphael says you came I appreciate the courage that takes Cass says whose heaven is this Raphael says Ken Lay's I'm borrowing it Cass says, I still question his admittance here. Raphael says, he's devout, trumps everything. Cass says, what do you want? Raphael says, tomorrow, I've called for a full assembly of the Holy Host. You'll kneel before me and pledge allegiance to the flag, all right? Cass says, and what flag is that? Raphael says, me, Castiel, allegiance to me. Cass says, are you joking? Raph says, Raph, Raphael says, do I look like I'm joking? Cass says, little Raffy. (laughs) Oh, Raffy. Cass says, you never look like you're joking. Raphael says, you rebelled against God, heaven, and me. Now you will atone. We'll start by freeing Lucifer and Michael from their cage, and then we'll get our show back on the road. 
Cass says, Raphael, no, the apocalypse doesn't have to be fought. Raphael says, of course it does. It's God's will. Cass says, how can you say that? Raph says, because it's what I want. Cass says, well, the other angels won't let you. Well, Raphael, it's somebody else's will because it's what I want. <laughs> exactly. Classic narcissist. <laughs> yep. Yep. Good old Raffy. <laughs> Raphael says, are you sure? You know better than anyone, Castiel. They're soldiers. They weren't built for freedom. They were built to follow. Cass says, then I won't let you. Raphael says, really? You? And Raphael hits Cass with a bright light from his hand. Cass wakes up spitting blood in his favorite heaven. Raphael is there. Cass narrates, I'm not ashamed to say that my big brother knocked me into next week. <laughs> Raphael yeah. says, tomorrow you kneel, Castiel, or you and anyone with you dies. So we cut back to Ellsworth ho Ellsworth's house. Cass is still observing the boys while invisible. Um, Sam says, hey, the place is clean. Bobby says, yeah, but it's like Mr. Clean Clean, you know? It's kind of OCD for your average demon. <laughs> Sam says, yeah, so what now? Dean says, we'd call Cass. Sam says, what? Dean says, this is usually the point where we would call Cass for help. Bobby says, we talked about this. Sam says, yeah, Dean. Dean says, no, you talked. I listened. This is Cass, guys. I mean, there was no, I mean, when there was no one and we were stuck, and I mean really stuck, he broke ranks. He has gone to the mat, cut and bleeding for us so many freaking times. This is Cass. Don't we owe him the benefit of the doubt at least? Sam says, Castiel, this is really important, okay? Uh, we need to talk to you. Dean says, Castiel, come on in. Cass narrates, but I didn't go to them because I knew they would have questions I couldn't answer because I was afraid. Dean says, Cass is busy. Sam says, that's all right. We are too. Come on. Bobby says, back to square one. Dean says, great. Well, what do we do now? Bobby says, well, we caught one hunter demon before. We can do it again. Suddenly, all three of them are attacked by demons. Uh, one demon says, Crowley says, hi. Castiel narrates, Crowley sent his very best. I was caught as much by surprise as the rest of them, and it left me with yet another choice. I could reveal myself and smite the demons. Of course, Crowley wouldn't like it. But on the other hand, they were my friends. Castiel shows himself and smites the demons, attacking Sam, Dean, and Bobby. And then he narrates, for a brief moment. I was me again. Dean says, it is good to see you, Cass. Cass says, are you all right? Sam says, yeah, perfect timing, Cass. Cass says, I'm glad I found you. I come with news. Dean says, yeah, what? Cass says, I firmly believe that Crowley is alive. <laughs> Dean says, yeah, you think, Kojak? Well, Bobby, what do we think about Cass saving our asses again? Bobby says, I think we owe you an apology. Cass says, why? Sam says, we've been hunting Crowley this whole time and keeping it from you. Bobby says, we thought we thought you were working with them. Castiel says, you thought what? He's like, huh? What? <laughs> Say what? <laughs> Dean says, I know. It's crazy, right? Bobby says, it's just that you torched the wrong bones. It doesn't matter. We were wrong. Cass says, you know, you could have just asked me. Dean says, and we should have. We never should have doubted you. I just hope you can forgive us. Cass narrates. Wonders never cease. They trusted me again, but it was just another lie. Cass says, it's forgotten. Dean says, thanks. Sam says, yeah, thanks, Cass. Cass says, it is a little absurd, though. Bobby says, I know, I know. Cass says, Superman going dark side. I'm still just Castiel. Dean says, I guess we can put away the kryptonite, right? Cass says, exactly. Cass narrates, of course, I didn't realize it at the time, but it was all over. Right then, just like that. So we cut to inside Crowley's laboratory. Cass I says, never not giggle at that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The laboratory. Laboratory. Cass says, you sent demons after them? Crowley says, you killed my hunters. Why can't I kill yours? Cass <laughs> says, they're my friends. Crowley says, you can't have friends. Not anymore. I mean, my God, you're losing it. Cass says, I'm fine. Crowley says, yeah, you're the very picture of mental health. Come on. You think I don't know what this is all about? Cass says, enlighten me. Crowley says, the big lie. The Winchesters still buy it. The good Cass, the righteous Cass. And long as they still believe it, you get to believe it. Well, I got news for you, kitten. A whore is a whore is a whore. <laughs> Jeez. He's like, ha ha. <laughs> Cass shoves Crowley against the wall and the wall breaks a little bit. Cass says, I'm only going to say this once. If you touch a hair on their heads, I will tear it all down. Our arrangement everything. I'm still an angel and I will bury you. Cass whooshes away and narrates. I asked myself, what was I doing with this vermin? 
Crowley yells, this is not how synergy works. <laughs> He's so angsty. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love him in this episode. I just love Crowley in general. He's hilarious. He's got such good one-liners and like, yeah, you know, he's a demon, but he's great. <laughs> yeah, I agreed. <laughs> Castile narrates, as if I didn't already know the answer, Raphael was stronger than me. I wouldn't survive a straight fight. So we cut to outside Lisa's house. Dean is raking leaves. Um, so this is a flashback. I didn't write that. I should have to when um, that year when Dean is at Lisa's. Mm-hmm. Cass narrates, so I went to an old friend for help, but watching him, I stopped everything he sacrificed. And I was about to ask him for more. Cass watches Dean invisible. Crowley shows up also invisible to Dean. Crowley says, ah, Castiel, angel of Thursday. Just not your day, is it? <laughs> Cass says, what Lisa's are you doing on a here? Tuesday. I know. <laughs> Heat of the moment. <laughs> Cass says, what are you doing here? Crowley says, I want to help you. I want to help you help me help others. <laughs> Castile says, speak plain. Crowley says, I want to discuss a simple business transaction. That's all. Cass says, you want to make a deal with me? I'm an angel, you ass. I don't have a soul to sell. Crowley says, but that's it, isn't it? It's all it is. Uh, Okay, I'm going to start that one over. <laughs> Crowley says, but that's it, isn't it? It's all of it. It's the souls. It all comes down to the souls in the end, doesn't it? Cass says, what the hell are you talking about? Crowley says, I'm talking about Raphael's head on a pike. I'm talking about happy endings for all of us, with all possible entendres intended. <laughs> Come on, just a chat. Cass says, I have no interest in talking with you. Crowley says, why not? I'm very interesting. Come on, hear me out. Five minutes. No obligations. I promise. I'll make it worth your while. Cass takes a last look at Dean and then goes with Crowley. Castile narrates, I was no fool. I knew who Crowley was and what he did, but I was smarter than him and stronger. I see now that I was prideful, and in all likelihood, I was a fool. So we cut to hell. Souls stand in line. The newest arrival takes a number from the take a number dispenser. Cass says, where are we? Crowley says, you don't recognize it, do you? It's Hades, new and improved. I did it myself. Cass says, this is hell. Crowley says, yeah, see, problem with the old place was most of the inmates were masochists already. A lot of, a lot of, thank you, sir. Can I have another hot spike up the jacksie? <laughs> but just look at them. No one likes waiting in line. Cass says, and what happens when they reach the front? Crowley says, nothing. They go right back to the end again. That's efficiency. Cass <laughs> says, you have four minutes left. Crowley says, what are you planning to do about Raphael? Cass says, what can I do besides submit or die? Crowley says, submit or die? What are you, French? How about resist? <laughs> Cass says, I'm not strong enough, and you know it. Crowley says, ah, not on your own, you're not. But you're not on your own, are you? There's a lot of angels swooning over you. God's favorite. Buddy boy, you've got what they call sex appeal. Cass <laughs> says, thank you. Get to the point. <laughs> He's like, I know. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Tell me something I don't know. <laughs> I love it. <sighs> Crowley says, angels need leaders, so be one. Gather your army and kick the candy out of each and every angel that shows up for Raphael. Cass says, are you proposing that I start a civil war in heaven? Crowley says, ding, ding, ding. Tell him what he's won, Vanna. Cass says, you're asking me to be the next Lucifer. Crowley says, please. Lucifer was a petulant child with daddy issues. Cass, you love God. God loves you. He brought you back. Did it occur to you that maybe he did this so you could be the new sheriff upstairs? Cass says, this is ridiculous. I mean, the amount of power that it would take to mount a war. Crowley says, more than either of us have ever seen, yeah? But what if I said I knew how to go nuclear? Cass says, what do you mean? Crowley says, purgatory, my fine feathered friend, purgatory. <laughs> Just think about it. An untapped oil well of every feigned, clawed soul. I mean... What's that over the years? 30 million? 40 million? Just sitting there, plump and rich for the taking. Cass says, how would you even find it when no one ever has? Crowley says, we'll need expert help. Cass says, from whom? Crowley says, from experts, of course. I know two eerily suited teen beat models with time on their hands. Experts Cass says, and experts. <laughs> Cass says, no, not Dean. He's retired. He's to stay that way. Crowley says, fine. I, then I know of a certain big bald patriarch I can take off the bench. The point is, I think he's talking about Hitler. He's not. He's talking about Grandpa Samuel. 
Oh, it sounded to me like he's like, oh, I know some like, you know, old person that I could like resurrect for the, I didn't get that yet. Okay. I'm like, he's got to be talking about Hitler. Who else would be crazy enough? Yeah. I think it's because he said big bald patriarch. So then I was like, that's gotta be. Yeah. That makes more sense. That's okay. Not Hitler then. Not not Hitler. I mean, not that. I'm not complaining that Hitler's does <laughs> that that Hitler's not a thing, but <laughs> <laughs> not yet anyway, right? No. Um, by that I mean there's a Hitler episode later. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that sounded like maybe a comment on the times, and that's not where we were going. So on the top. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, talking about supernatural. Yeah, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> Crowley says, the point is, they can get us to the monsters. The monsters can get us to purgatory. I know it. Cass says, and what's your price in all of this? Crowley says, just half. Cass says, half? Crowley says, my position isn't all that stable, Ducky. Those souls will help, just like they'd help you. Besides, wouldn't you rather have me in charge down here? The devil you know. Cass says, this is pointless. Your plan would take months, and I need help now. Crowley says, granted, yes. But just to show you how serious I am about this scheme, how about I float you a little loan? Say 50 large, 50,000 souls from the pit. You can take them up to heaven, make quite a showing. It's either this or the apocalypse all over again. Everything you've worked for, everything that Sam and Dean have worked for, gone. You can save us, Castiel. God chose you to save us. And I think deep down, you know that. Castiel narrates, I wish I could say I was clean of pride at that moment. Or the next. We cut back to Ken Lay's heaven. Cass uses the power of the souls to bright light Raphael away from the room. Cass says to the other angels in the room, there will be no apocalypse and let it be known. You're either with Raphael or you're with me. Cass narrates, and so went the long road of good intentions, the road that brought me here. We cut back to Ellsworth's house. Dean says, Castiel, uh, we need you for a little powwow down here, so come on down. Cass whooshes in and says, hello. Bobby says, oh, Johnny on the spot. Cass says, you're still here. Sam says, yeah, we had to bury the bodies. Dean says, and we found a little whiskey. Thanks for coming. Cass says, how can I help? Sam says, oh, look, we we have a new plan. We think we finally figured out a way to track down Crowley. Cass says, what is it? Bobby lights a match and drops it on the floor at Castiel's feet, lighting a ring of holy fire around him. Bobby says, it's you. Cass says, what are you doing? Dean says, we got to talk. Cass says, about what? Let me go. Dean says, about Superman and kryptonite. Bobby says, how do you know what I said? Sam says, how long have you been watching us? Dean says, you know who spies on people, Cass? Spies. Mm-hmm. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I he love that may one. not have passed high school, but you know what? <laughs> he got some good monster killing skills. <laughs> uh, Cass says, okay, just wait. I don't even know what you mean. Sam says, what about this demon crap hole? How is it it's, How is it so next to godliness clean in here? Bobby says, and how exactly did Crowley trick you with the wrong bones? Cass says, it's hard to understand. It's hard to explain. Just let me go. Let me out. And I can. Dean says, you got to look at me, man. You got to level with me and tell me what's going on. Look me in the eye and tell me you're not working with Crowley. Castillo looks Dean in the eyes, but then looks away. Dean says, you son of a bitch. Cass says, let me explain. Dean says, you're in it with him? You and Crowley have been going after purgatory together? You have, huh? This whole time. Cass says, I did it to protect you. I did it to protect all of you. Sam says, protect us how? By opening a hole into Monsterland? Bobby says, he's right, Cass. One drop got through and it was Eve. And you want to break down the entire dam? Cass says, to get the souls. I can stop Raphael. Please, you have to trust me. Sam says, trust you? How in the hell are we supposed to trust you now? Cass says, I'm still me. I'm still your friend, Sam. I'm the one who raised you from perdition. Sam says, what? Well, no offense, but you did a pretty piss poor job of it. Wait, did you bring me back soulless on purpose? (laughs) Cass says, how could you think that? Sam says, well, I'm thinking a lot of things right now, Cass. Cass says, listen, Raphael will kill us all. He'll turn the world into a graveyard. I had no choice. Dean says, no, you had a choice. You made the wrong one. Cass says, you don't understand. It's complicated. Dean says, no, actually, it's not, and you know that. Why else would you keep this whole thing a secret, huh, unless you knew that it was wrong? When crap like this comes around, we deal with it, like we always have. What we don't do is we don't go out and make another deal with the devil. Cass says, it sounds so simple when you say it like that. Where were you when I needed to hear it? 
Christine says, I was there. Where were you? Uh, you should have come to us for help, Cass. Blah, blah, blah. You should have come to us for help, Cass. He should have. He fucking should have. Yep. Dummy. <laughs> Cass says, maybe. There's a loud windy sound. It's demon smoke approaching. Cass says, it's too late now. I can't turn back. I can't. Dean says, it's not too late. Damn it, Cass. We can fix this. Cass says, Dean, it's not broken. Run. You have to run now. Run. So Sam and Bobby run away. Dean takes one last look at Cass and then follows. Oh, this is best friend. Yeah, I know. Then Crowley enters the house. Crowley says, my, my, playing with fire again. Crowley snaps his fingers and puts out the flames. Cass says, if you touch the Winchesters, Crowley says, please, I heard you the first time. I promise. Nary a hair on their artfully tousled heads. It is artfully tousled, isn't it? It is. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Crowley says, besides, I think they've proven my point for me. It's always your friends, isn't it, in the end? We try to change. We try to improve ourselves. It's always our friends who's who got a claw into our sides and hold us back. But you know what I see here? The new God and the new devil working together. Cass says, enough. Stop talking and get out of my sight. Crowley says, well, glad I came. You're welcome, by the way. You know the difference between you and me? I know what I am. What are you, Castiel? What exactly are you willing to do? So we cut to Dean sleeping at Bobby's house. He wakes up and Cass is there. Cass says, hello, Dean. Dean says, how'd you get in here? Castiel says, the angel proofing Bobby put up on the house. He's got a few things wrong. Dean says, well, it's too bad we got an angel proof in the first place, isn't it? Why are you here? Cass says, I want you to understand. Dean says, oh, believe me, I get it. Blah, blah, Raphael, right? Cass says, I'm doing this for you, Dean. I'm doing this because of you. Dean says, because of me? Yeah, you got to be kidding me. Cass says, you're the one who taught me that freedom and free will. Dean says, you're a freaking child, you know that? Just because you can do what you want doesn't mean that you get to do whatever you want. Cass says, I know what I'm doing, Dean. Dean says, I'm not going to logic you, okay? I'm saying don't, just because. I'm asking you not to. That's it. Cass says, I don't understand. Dean says, look, next to Sam, you and Bobby are the closest things I have to family, that you are like a brother to me. So if I'm asking you not to do something, you got to trust me, man. Castiel says, or what? Dean says, or I'll have to do what I have to do to stop you. Cass says, you can't, Dean. You're just a man. I'm an angel. Dean says, I don't know. I've taken some pretty big fish. Cass says, I'm sorry, Dean. Dean says, well, I'm sorry too then. So we cut back to the snowy park from the beginning of the episode. Cass narrates, so that's everything. I believe it's what you would call a tragedy from the human perspective. But maybe the human perspective is limited. I don't know. That's why I'm asking you, Father. One last time. Am I doing the right thing? Am I on the right path? You have to tell me. You have to give me a sign. Give me a sign, because if you don't, I'm just going to do whatever, whatever I must. And credits. Okay, so my thoughts about this episode, the first one, is that I don't really remember much about this episode. Like, oh, really? I like very vaguely remember bits and pieces of it, but like it's kind of like watching a new episode. So I liked it a little bit because of that. That's nice. But I remember this episode being just because it's the first episode that's like from <laughs> Cass's point of view. Yeah. And, and how different that was. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember, like, the pieces where he's, like, sitting down on that bench. Right, yeah. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. That's all. <laughs> so, I don't know. It, I, like, I mean, watching through this again, most of these episodes I've only seen once anyways. Like, past season, like, five, it's all yeah. fairly new territory other than, like, you know, the French mistake and all those, you know, clap your hands if you believe that you, like, listen to or that you watch more than once you know right yeah but um yeah most of from like here to the end I think I've only seen these episodes one time so I have a feeling that it's going to be a lot of me going I don't remember this <laughs> what yeah, is for this? me honestly I don't like I haven't after season five like you said I haven't really watched these episodes again so yeah it's gonna be interesting to see like wait I don't remember that and I don't know <laughs> what's yeah. happening right now you know um, I thought it was kind of interesting, like, so obviously, like, Cass is in the room with the boys a lot, but they don't know he's there, so I wonder how often that happens. 
yeah in general in the show where there's like an angel or something that's like in the room with them but then they're being watched but they don't necessarily like know but they don't really like talk about that that much you know like I think it's just this episode mostly where Cass is spying yeah yeah you know who spies Cass spies (laughs) (laughs) yep (laughs) um also, like, okay, Cass is a total idiot for doing what he's doing, but, like, I get why he's doing it. He hasn't, what really frustrates me about this episode is that he doesn't explain it to the boys. Like, no. he doesn't explain why he's doing it. And, yeah, they don't really give him an option I was going to say, they don't really it. let him explain it either, because he's like, let me explain, and they're like, <laughs> no. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like, I mean, we get it. And because we know what's happening. So it's possible that like they would get it. I don't think they're supposed to get it yet. Yeah. Because if I'm like, I feel like they get it later on. I can't remember. Well, I literally like don't remember later on. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to do spoilers. So I'm not going to say anything. (laughs) But but anywho. Okay. um, Moving on. Yeah. Like I get it. Like he's a doofus for doing it, but I get it. But, and like, at the same time, he's digging his own hole. Like he can't expect for like anybody to feel too bad for him because he's doing it to himself. You know, like, it's not like he's, asking anybody else for help he's just floundering you know like yeah it is what it is but mm-hmm. anyways yeah those are really my only uh, thoughts I don't have I don't have very many of them <laughs> that's okay but um what was your favorite moment from this episode um my favorite moment I can't exactly remember where it is in the episode but um when Crowley tells Cass that a whore is a whore is a whore. <laughs> yeah, he's telling, I, just, I just love that. Yeah, he's talking about Cass being a whore. <laughs> yep. Yep. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it's I true. Love it. it is it's true. <laughs> yep. What was your favorite moment? Mine was, you know who spies on people's Cass? Spies. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Captain Obvious. You know? Yeah, that's just like when Dean says, accidents don't just happen accidentally. I know. He's, yeah. Where there is a lock, there must also be a key. <laughs> All of those moments are just great. Yep. But I love it. Yeah, that's it. Nothing, <laughs> nothing super in depth. I just, you know, spies. Mm-hmm. Spies. Um, so our interesting facts from this episode, there's only like four of them. It's kind of sad, but, um, it says the dispatcher, uh, who's Bobby Singer's demon counterpart, uh, is named Ellsworth. Uh, Ellsworth was also the name of Jim Beaver's character in, uh, the TV series Deadwood from 2004. Uh, so there's a nice bit of symmetry there. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Which, uh, have you seen Deadwood? I think I saw the first episode, but it was so long ago, I remember nothing about it. It's okay. just like an old Western. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I I feel like you've said something to me about it at some point, or maybe like this has come up before, Deadwood has come up before. Yeah, it has. It's possible. But mm-hmm. yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, it says when Sam and Bobby argue that Castiel uh, wasn't fooled by Crowley, um, Dean says he's the Balky Bartokamus? Bartokamus? Yep. I don't know. Less. Okay. <laughs> Heaven. Um, he can't make a mistake. Um, he's referring to a main character in the 1980s sitcom Perfect Strangers uh, from 86, who's a naive and well meaning Greek shepherd who comes to live in America. Yep. Um, that was a funny show. When I, I was a kid, though, I don't know how I'd feel about it now, but. Yeah. I don't think i've even really heard of it mm-hmm. but um it says castiel asks Raphael whose heaven he's in and Raphael replies ken lays i'm borrowing it um he's referring to the former energy conglomerate enron ceo who was convicted of securities fraud in 2006 but died before serving time oh i didn't know he died okay 
I mean, I suppose that makes sense because hi there in his heaven, or duh. Okay. <laughs> I mean, obviously he's gone, <laughs> but like, who's to know if he died then or, you know, when he died? Yeah. Um, uh, it says the title of this episode is based on the Sean Connery movie, uh, The Man Who Would Be King from 1975, uh, which is in turn based on the 1980, sorry, the 1888 Rud- <laughs> Rudyard Kipling novella of the same name. Oh, okay. That was hard. I don't know why that was so hard. <laughs> I can't read. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, not very many interesting facts. It's kind of sad. That's weird. Usually there's a ton of them. You'd think. I mean, to be fair, this episode is kind of like, it's not a filler episode, but it's kind of like, uh, we're going to explain to you what's going on episode, you know? So right. there's not a bunch of like, obviously Things there's new information happening. happening, but it's not like, I don't know. I don't know how to get to what I'm trying to explain in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that most of the time. It's like things are happening, but not a lot of things. So there's not a lot of interesting facts about not a lot of things happening. Right. Okay. We'll go with that. <laughs> that, that sounds like the best. Okay. Fight me on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. That's all she wrote. <laughs> um, so our research from this week is just based off of Sioux Falls and hauntings that are in Sioux Falls. Um, So there's a couple different ones. This is um, the website that I'm getting these from is greetingsfromsiouxfalls.com or greetingsfromsiouxfalls.com. But there's like a bunch of links on here and I'm going to read you a couple of them. Okay. Sounds cool. The first one is uh, the Calvary Cathedral. Um, It says, Mark was attending a church event one evening in 1992, um, just after the church's new Southwest edition was completed. He was in middle school at the time, and some of the high school students in attendance had brought some cool stuff to help entertain, so a TV, stereo, hammock, that sort of thing. Um, They'd set the equipment up in one room in the basement, but were wanting to move it to another room in the addition. As we were moving it to a room further in the new building and had about half of the stuff there, said Mark, all the power went out in the new part of the building. Um, There was no rational explanation. No attempts to restore power were successful. Um, The next morning, everything worked fine. It says there's been other experiences in this church as well. Uh, The ghost of a Native American sitting at uh, the desk of one of the pastors. Creepy. Um, (laughs) Incessant pounding on the inside of a locked door. Um, When a a key was finally located, the room was found to be empty. Oh, don't like it. Nope, don't like any of it. Um, It says, according to the historical marker at the location of Calvary Cathedral, Bishop William Hobart, Hare's remains are buried on the north side of the cathedral. Uh, His body was moved there from the southwest side of the building where the addition was built. Oh, okay. Um, So, yeah, so that's fun. (laughs) the pounding Um, on the door would really fuck me up yeah i don't no (laughs) i'd be like i'm out i'm over it i'm done i'd leave leave. the end um so the next one is the sioux valley slash sanford hospital um it says uh so this is from a former nurse aide Um, It says, in the fall of 2000, I was working as a nurse aide, or NA, on the labor and delivery unit at Sioux Valley Hospital. Um, There's a small bathroom right off the main hallway. I was washing my hands in the sink and looked up into the mirror. Standing behind me was a young man in his late 20s or early 30s. He was tall and thin, had sandy brown hair, was wearing a green and cream flannel shirt, blue jeans with a belt buckle. uh, And blue jeans with a belt buckle. I was very startled and the hair stood up on the back of my neck. I swung around quickly and there was no one there. Um, I mentioned this to an older NA who had worked in this department for about 30 plus years. Uh, She stated that other people had seen ghosts on this floor. A couple of months later, I was pushing a newborn baby to the NICU with another nurse and saw the same man that I saw in the bathroom. He was walking towards us, dressed the same as before and passed between us. Um, As we passed him, I felt a cool breeze and the hair stood up on on my neck and arms. The nurse mentioned that she all of a sudden felt chilled. Uh, I turned around to look behind us and no one was there. The hallway was completely empty. This is something that you don't forget. I sometimes wonder who he is, but we'll never know. Um, and then she says, 
the nurse that walked down the hall with her did not notice the young man walking by them, but other nurses had seen him before. Oh, that's so creepy. So yuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, this one is called Haunted by Children. It's near Whittier Middle School. Um, it says, uh, and this lady's name is Jody. <laughs> okay. Um, it says, uh, we have lived in this house for almost eight years. It was built in 1910. It's a beautiful house. Almost as soon as we moved in, there have been odd things going on. There are loud noises in the middle of the night, knocking, footsteps, and yes, voices. One night I awoke to a loud knocking. I thought someone was at the door. As I looked out the window to the, of the front door, I saw a full apparition walk behind me. Um, uh. I saw just the side view of her. She did not look at me. She just walked as if I were not there. Um, she was almost see-through and grayish looking with long dark hair and white pale skin. It's so hard to explain uh, the way she looked, but when I whipped around, she was gone. Everyone that comes to our house will say they feel funny, uneasy, or uneasy, mainly um, on our steps going up the stairs. I feel as if there's more than one ghost. I believe we have children here as well. We have heard giggling, clapping, and running. Nope. Yuck. Um, it says below, it says some believe that the quartzite uh, bedrock we enjoy in the Sioux Falls area is conducive to residual hauntings. Um, hauntings that seem to be a recording of events that transpired in the past. Um, if that's true, Jody and her neighbors probably have regular visitors to keep them company in the dark hours of the night. I can tell you that the giggling would send me streaming into the night. <laughs> uh, the knocking really, I don't know. I said that earlier about the other one too, but that just freaks me out. The knocking yeah. on the walls and the doors. Ugh. Yeah, because it's like, that's yuck. That's a structural, you know, that's not just like something yeah nope not gonna go there yuck <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I don't like any of it nope. <laughs> it's gross um okay so this last one is called split foyer or foyer depending on <laughs> i prefer foyer <laughs> see i i've heard foyer and but like my family calls it foyer like, yeah. I don't know, like, if it's, like, a area thing, you know, like, yeah, if it's one of those, like, oh, my family's from this area, and that's how they say it there, and so, like, it must be, this is what, you know, like, foyer, I will try my best to go with foyer, Oh, you don't I know have that's to. probably how it's supposed to be said. Okay. I what is know. a foyer, man? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, split foyer. <laughs> You have um, to say it like that. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Foyer. Foyer. <laughs> um, this is in Western Sioux Falls. Um, it says a house on West Dardanella. Wait, yeah. Dardanella has a reputation for striking fear into the hearts. Into hearts. There we go. Um, <laughs> the anonymous contributor shares his experience. So didn't even want to be named. So that's great. <laughs> Um, it says, I have not stayed in that house for many years. I would never stay there again. Too many really creepy things happen. One night I was sitting in the lower level. Um, it's a, it is a split foyer. <laughs> <laughs> and the phone was on the hall, um, on the wall in the hallway. Uh, the phone started to dial all by itself. No one else was home. And then someone answered. I could only hear one side of the conversation, but it was really weird. Whoever was on the line could hear the other person, but I could not. Um, why the phone dialed itself and what uh, was talking on the phone was creepy, but worst of all was how terrified the person on the other end became before she hung up. Way too scary for me. You know, like that. So, okay, wait. So, like, it went on speakerphone and just started dialing, like that type of it thing? It sounds like it. So, like, the person on the other end was terrified. Ooh. and like he heard you know the phone being dialed and all that sort of stuff but he couldn't hear the side of the conversation that was there I got like goosebumps all over my arms yeah and all that over is everything. creepy I hate it <laughs> that is fucking creepy that's oh. a new one <laughs> yeah I've never heard anything like that before mm -mm. yeah it says people who sleep there are plagued with nightmares especially uh those who know nothing about the house's condition uh, visitors often say they'll never come back after only one night. Um. <laughs> that scared me. The what? dog. <laughs> he, he's 
sleeping on the couch. All of a sudden, he just came out. <laughs> and he was like, you know, uh-huh. moving. Because he's just like, oh, he's like stretching and moving positions on the couch. But mm-hmm. it scared me. <laughs> <laughs> little stinker. <laughs> Big stinker, I guess. He's not little, but whatever. <laughs> um, it says the worst place in the whole house is the crawl space under the foyer. Uh, the crawl space is behind the closet, which is under the stairs in the lower level. Um, it's a very large room, about 10 by 7, but is only about three feet high. Uh, concrete floor, studs and walls, remote and dark. I was told it was once all sealed up, uh, but one short-term owner, most owners have been short-term, <laughs> cut the closet wall open and tried to use the crawl space for storage. Bad idea. Yeah. Uh, I was helping my girlfriend and once went in that crawl space, no one else was home. And I was trying to unpack some of the junk from previous owners. It seems people put stuff in there and are afraid to go back in and get it. (laughs) Anyway, one of the very few times I was in that crawl space, I heard footsteps right over my head. Thinking people had come home, I got out, but no one was there in the foyer or in the garage or anywhere else in the house. I ignored it at that time. So I went back in it. <laughs> the nope. footsteps returned, but this time with muffled voices right over my head. The words were weird too. I could hear them, but not understand what the words were. Kind of like a foreign language, but none I'd heard before. Then, then there was a baby crying. There was no baby living there. None. Pretty much freaked me out. <laughs> yeah. Um, it says my girlfriend's kids said they never went in the crawl space ever. The kids also said something about where the fireplace had been in the downstairs, but it was all covered with over with new sheetrock and stuff um for a newer house that place has had lots of owners and i know that i would not sleep in that place ever again um it says in west sioux falls near dunham park be cautious about your prospective home purchase be sure and check the disclosure carefully (laughs) yeah because don't Um, when you buy a house don't you have to say if like anybody's ever died in it or any of that sort of stuff I'm not sure if they do or not. It might be different, like laws in different states. Different about areas. Yeah. I mean, I've heard that before that you have to, but I don't know if that was, that's like, yeah, if it's in certain areas or whatever, but I've had people tell me that like, if you sell a house, you're supposed to like say whether somebody has ever died in it, you know, if there's ever been any like awful circumstances basically that have happened in the house, you yeah, know, I don't know, which why should you have to do that if you like I don't know like that's that's basically saying like we all want to like make sure there's no ghosts in the house before we buy it exactly you know exactly yeah I don't know yeah like I don't like any of it so yeah that that's our that's our research bunch of weird crazy nasty ick that happens yeah (laughs) that's the best word I've got for it is ick (laughs) in Sioux Falls <laughs> in Sioux Falls that's right yeah oh the footsteps above him in the crawl space that and would fuck me up and voices and yeah uh, nope don't like it I don't like any of it <laughs> uh, but anyways um so <laughs> what was your idiot or aspect moment from uh this week Okay, well, the other night, um, Eric was home working, and I needed to go to the store to buy some clothes, and I didn't want to bring Killian with me just to, you know, like, limited exposure, blah, 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 right? Not, it's not like I want to take him with me, like, clothes shopping anyways, because that yeah, won't no. be fun for him, and, and it'll be, be too distracting for me. Yeah, Give him, like, 20 minutes, and he'd be, like, freaking out about, like, yeah. wanting to go and look at the toys or something, you yeah. know? <laughs> Exactly. So my mom was home. So I was like, hey, mom, can you just like watch Killian for an hour and a half? Like the, the store I wanted to go to was in Tequila. So I was like, it's like half an hour there. I'll uh-huh. be there for half an hour. It'll be half an hour drive back. So I'll be gone for an hour and a half. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's totally fine. Uh-huh. And Eric was home anyways. So, you know, two people are home, even though Eric was working. Yeah. You know, if anything bad happened, Eric would be there. So anyway, so I go and I shop. And I'm there for half an hour in my mind. Mm-hmm. And then I get in my car to come home. I'm driving. And I realize that I have been gone for already two and a half hours. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. And I look at my phone and Eric texted me like, hey, I tried to call you, but it went right to voicemail. Are you OK? And I was like, oh, shit. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So I called him and I'm like, I'm fine, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I called my mom and she was like, oh, yeah, we were wondering where you were. But, you know 
long as everything's okay. And I was just like, I just, I have no idea how I spent like an hour in that store. Because it takes a long time to close shop. It's not a half hour process because you have to go through all the stuff, right? And figure out what you would want. And then you have to try it on to make sure it fits. And then if you're lucky and you get all of the right sizes, then you're done. But most of the time it doesn't happen. So it's like, oh, I like this, but maybe I'll have to try it in a smaller or a bigger or whatever, you know? And then you have to like go out and find it again and then go and try it back on. And that could, I mean, I'm telling you, it's a, it's a process. It did take a while. I just, I really thought that I was only there for half an hour. Like in my brain, like the time was passing very like slowly, I guess. So yeah, I don't know. It was just a weird, surreal thing. So anyway, that was my moment. What was yours? So mine was like a weird, my brain was an aspect to me last night. I had this weird, like I never remember my dreams because as far as I know, I don't dream, you know, the only time I ever really remember them is if they're kind of like scary, you know? Yeah. And so, and it wasn't even that, I don't know. So it was a weird dream. So in my dream, I was driving in my car, um, through this, like, it was sunny outside and it was, you know, a, like a windy road with like a drop off on one side, but I, the, So, you know, we drive on the right side of the road. The drop-up was on the left side of the road, right? So, like, shouldn't have been anywhere near it. But for some reason, I couldn't see over my dash in my car, which, okay, I'm tall. I can always see over the dash in the car. Oh, I was going to say, that sounds pretty normal to me. I mean, but, like, couldn't, like, so, like, my head was, like, level with the middle of the steering wheel, sort of couldn't see. And I was trying to, like you know, straighten up to see, but I couldn't, and I was going fast, you know, like I felt it. It was so weird. It was like a weird, like I was swerving, like I was going down the windy road or whatever. And then I'd get kind of close to the edge and I'd realize it and I'd turn back, you know, but it was all very smooth. And then all of a sudden I'm like driving and I could see the road going past me to my right side and I am flying over the edge. (laughs) Oh my God. Over the water. And I just remember going, oh gosh. And then I was for some reason on the outside of my car, like, cause I had like rolled down the window somehow in the amount of time, (laughs) it must've been a big drop off. Cause like I had somehow made my way out of the car and I was holding on to the edge, like the top, like the roof, like the, opening where the window is and like getting pulled down by the car going okay like oddly like I'm gonna die maybe but if I like can pull this off how do I need to and I just remember like thinking how do I need to land in the water so that way I don't splat as hard (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh my god (laughs) like very calmly and then like right about before I hit the water I like woke up and I was like you know like Oh my God. But yeah, like it was weird. It was like a nightmare, but not really. Like it wasn't like I was oddly calm about the whole thing. Like it was very like oddly calm about like, I'm going to die. I wonder what position would be the best to die in. (laughs) That sounds horrible. It's strange, but like it freaked me out. Like it wasn't like the dream itself didn't freak me out, but as I woke up, I was like freaked out, you know? Yeah. It was very strange. The whole thing was odd, but yeah, that was my itch and ass, but like that, that my, my brain was an ass, but and made me convinced that I was flying through the air about to die. That's terrifying. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. I don't know. So if anybody, you know, knows about dreams and like all that, you know, what they mean stuff, let me know. Cause I'd be interested. I don't know if I believe in any of that stuff, but it'd be interesting to know. You know? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. and then when I went back to sleep, I ha- like, I think I like picked up in the same place. Cause I wasn't awake for very long. I think I picked up in the same, like after I had like crashed, clearly I survived. So, but then I'm back in the car trying to escape underwater and there's two small children in the back seat and I'm trying to like get them both out at the same time and like swim up to the surface with both children under my arms and I'm like I I remember in my mind thinking thank goodness I played water polo and I can swim with just my legs if I need to you know (laughs) and like that was it and then I woke up like swimming to the surface 
That sounds horrible. It was really weird. The whole thing was really weird. There's a, sorry, I'm like flapping all over the place. There's a little buggy or something that's like, you know what I think that means? What? I think that means when you get pregnant, you're going to have twins. It's possible. It is a genetic, you know, thing in my family for sure. That's what it means. I mean, yeah, but like, what about the rest of it? (laughs) I don't know. That's one very minute detail compared to all the other things. (laughs) I don't care about the rest of it. (laughs) You're just like, listen, somebody needs to have twins. (laughs) I'm ready for you to have twins now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that was my weird dreams. (laughs) That's totally crazy. Uh, I'm glad you were calm in your dream. It was very, like, I was oddly calm about it. Although I do, like, for myself, I do work fairly well under pressure. Like, Mm -hmm. when I am under pressure in any situation, I almost, like, can focus more. And I get, like, not calm about it. Like, I might be freaked out, but I can, like, almost it's, like, disassociate and then, like, just deal with the thing. And then I freak out about it later. (laughs) Oh, man. I wish I was that way. I'm just, like, panicky in the moment. And then, you know, freak out, basically, run away. Yeah, like, oh, I definitely, like, have adrenaline rushes, but I think it's, like, the adrenaline almost gives me, like, clarity of, like, okay, this is what you need to do, and go and do it now. You know, it's like, okay. (laughs) That's good. That's a good way to be. Well, I guess. Yeah, it is. All right. (laughs) That's all I have to say about that, I guess. (laughs) That's all I have to say, too. It's fine. I got nothing else. I don't know that what was else weird. To say. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. You can email us at idgets and aspects podcast at gmail.com. The word and is spelled out. Or visit our Facebook page, idgets and aspects, a supernatural podcast. You can also find us on Instagram. Thanks again. Thank you.